Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning Machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Here we are. Anarchist World this week, back for another week. Who knows for how long? Well, who knows? My name is Joseph Scar. I'm hosting today's program. Now, there are a lot of interesting things happening as the year draws to a close and 2017 looms, and I think uh, we may be getting a little bit tired. Well, I'm not getting tired, but a lot of the listeners are getting tired because we're running into a few little cul-de-sacs, political cul-de-sacs, but we'll talk about that later on. If you wonder what Anarchy is all about, Anarchy Society is a voluntary non-hierarchical society based on the creation of political and social structures which are based on equal decision-making power, that's direct democracy, the society where wealth is held in common and used for the common good. Why those two concepts? Why the devolution of power and the redistribution of wealth? Very simple. It's inequalities in power and wealth which create the infrastructure for rulers to affect the lives of millions, if not hundreds of millions, if not billions of people on this planet. So anarchism is a political, social and cultural movement which not, doesn't want to get rid of rules. It want to get, wants to get rid of rulers. In essence, is an exceptionally democratic system of running your life. Obviously, megalomaniacs like myself would never have any chance of ruling in a... Uh, anarchist society because it's about the devolution of power. It's about giving everybody the opportunity who wants to exercise that power, the ability to exercise that power. Now, a few things. First of all, I mean, a lot of our listeners or some of our listeners are part of the West Papuan Rent Collective and I'm a little bit concerned about the West Papuan Rent Collective. It's been going now for three years and you find after three years the enthusiasm kind of diminishes. Now, obviously, some members have fallen out, have fallen away because of uh, financial issues or personal issues, and I even know some members of the collective who've uh, died. But we desperately need another ten members for the West Papuan Rent Collective. It's a dollar a day. Think about it: a dollar a day, you can actually keep the West Papuan office open 
for the West Papuan movement. And let's not forget that the West, the West Papuan office in Melbourne is the only functioning office for the West Papuan independence movement around the world. And it, provide, and it, and it is a very important organisational facility which allows the West Papuans to be able to organise their uh, struggle for independence. So for a dollar a day... That's thirty dollars a month, three hundred and sixty-five dollars a year, and three sixty-six in a leap year. Obviously, for a dollar a day, you can actually keep this office functioning. As I said before, we usually need about seventy members to keep the Red Collective chugging along. I've just received the accounts today, and it's my job as the convener of the West Papua Red Collective to check the accounts every month. I'm a little bit unhappy. Not that that means anything to you. But it does mean something to me. Uh, I mean, uh, it would be a pity if the West Papua office has to close because of a lack of uh, finances. It doesn't rely on grants. It doesn't actually get money from, you know, uh, rich individuals. The West Papua Rent Collective is formed of interested, concerned people who are concerned about the half a million people that have died in West Papua from a population of two million in the last uh, 60 years, who are concerned about what's actually happening in West Papua uh, and who wish to support the West Papua independence movement in a positive way by allowing them to actually have a functioning office which can be used for them to uh, conduct their struggle. We don't tell them how to conduct their struggle. What we do is we raise the money for the office. So if you're interested in joining the West Papua and Rent Collective, it's very simple. I'll pass on the details to you. You can ring me on 0439 395 489 0439 395 489. You can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com, anarchistage at yahoo.com. You can write to me at post office box 20, Parkville 3052, post office box 20, Parkville 3052. It is essential that uh, we uh, overcome this little hiatus in our activities. Um, The ball is in your court. I can only do so much. Obviously, we we want the West Papuan activists. There are only a very few hundred in this country, considering that it's less than 200 kilometres from... uh, Australian shores, West Papua, less than 200 kilometres, and considering the bloodshed that's been going on there for the last 60 years, it's just extraordinary how few refugees have been accepted in this country, and we all know uh, that story. So give us a ring, 0439 395 489, 0439 395 489. Write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052, Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052, or email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com. If you think a dollar a day is a lot, it is a lot for some people, but, you know, you can actually give up a bad habit. packet of cigarettes is about 20 to 25 bucks, I'm told. So for a packet of cigarettes, you could join the West Papua Rent Collective and improve your health. Two large pieces would cost you, you know, 30 bucks. If you Knock back one pizza a week, you got your 30 bucks. 
you know, you've got a weight problem, you've got a drug problem, you've got a smoking problem, great way to give up. Give up, give the money that you're wasting now to the West Papuan Rent Collective, become part of something which is important, which is real, which is tangible. And three times a year we have a, uh, a gathering uh, organised by the West Papuan uh, community uh, to thank us for our participation in the uh, Rent Collective and to let us know what they've got in store for the world for the next coming three to four months. So think about it now. You've never done it before. Now's the time to do it. Now is the time to do it. Don't put it back till tomorrow. If you put it back till tomorrow, nothing will ever happen. 0439 395 489. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Anarchistage at yahoo.com. It's going to be one of those programs today where we're going to ask you to get involved in a lot of things. I mean, I don't think that's a bad thing. Do you? It's a bad thing. Look, I could pontificate, pontificate about the state of the world, but you know the state of the world. And you know this, you know, there's a kind of a grayness, grayness to uh, things currently. Now, I am. Sometimes I do things which I regret, and I'm sure you all do things that you regret. But for the last three to four days, I've um, listened to my um, local ABC radio station, 774 in Melbourne, and I've been, I felt sick, physically ill, intellectually. <laughs> I just can't believe it. I cannot believe what's happened to the Australian Broadcasting Corporation in this country. I keep talking about the Government Guild at ABC, but I just cannot believe what is happening. I mean, the biggest leaners in this country, the Murdoch Empire, seem to have taken over the Australian Broadcasting Corporation Time and time and time and time again, the Australian Broadcasting Corporation seems to be giving a platform to these tax dodgers, to these tax evaders, to these people that create unnecessary angst in the community in order to try to flog their shit, their analysis of the world. It is just extraordinary. Last year it was the Institute of Public Affairs this year's it's the Murdoch media. 21st Century Fox. What's the point? What's the point of using taxpayers' money to present, to allow these people, these apologists for the traitor Murdoch who gave up his Australian citizenship, you know, in order to make a buck in the past. Obviously, he's got it back now. They've got dual citizenships and who received an $886 million tax refund at the end of uh, 2013, courtesy of the long-suffering taxpayer because of a little bit of creative accountancy. It is just extraordinary. And then when you move away from the political dimension and you go to the social and cultural dimension, it's all about flogging some comedian's show or some idiot's book. It's just extraordinary. Or some, or some non-entity's record. It is just extraordinary that we are paying a billion dollars a year for this shit. It's extraordinary. Now, occasionally, occasionally there's a flower in the desert 
you can see a flower blooming in the desert, but we should have hundreds of flowers booming, blooming in the Australian Broadcasting Corporation intellectual, cultural and social desert. And don't blame the presenters. Don't blame the presenters. I mean, they're, they're on short-term contracts and they're picked and chosen, you know, for their ability, for their ability to, uh, you know, you know, their ability to toe the line. It's just extraordinary. Just extraordinary. So that's what makes community radio, independent media, so important because you may have relied on the Australian Broadcasting Corporation to give you a bit of a different analysis. But when was the last time you heard some radical speaker? I'm not talking about some issue-orientated, you know, a, a person who's got... A, particular viewpoint on a particular issue, which is the flavour of the day. When was the last time you heard some radical speaker in the Australian Broadcasting Corporation or saw them on the television, what's left of it for commentary? It's just extraordinary. Maybe, maybe I've got a jaundiced view, you know, being in this field myself. Maybe I've got a jaundiced view. But I can tell you I felt physically sick and intellectually... um, well, how shall I put it? Let's put it pleasantly. I felt intellectually assaulted, assaulted by the what passes as informed comment. Now, if I'm wrong, you can always ring me on Thursday, 9.30am, on Talk Back With Attitude on 0394190155. But just extraordinary. Just, I just needed to get off my chest. Now, we've got an important struggle coming up not just in Victoria but the rest of Australia because, you know, during the last 40 years, <clears throat> during the deregulation, privatisation, corporatisation and globalisation revolution, that's right, revolution, which has engulfed this country and most of the world, we have seen, we have seen things happen that you would never expect to happen. We have seen all the gains of the 19th and 20th century, or the first part of the 20th century, all those gains made by reformers and revolutionaries basically dissipate, disappear. We are now, the state is now reverting to its traditional role to protect the interests of those who exercise power, to protect the interests of that 1% of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. We see it every day. Every day. And we've seen the privatisation cancer infect every little square centimetre of the body, of the political, social and cultural body of this country. Every little centimetre. I mean, as you know, there's discussions about privatising the hex debt, discussion about privatising... Um, sections of Medicare, discussions about this and that. And the tragedy is, the tragedy is, and those who've got a long memory will remember is, the tragedy is this was kick-started by the Keating Keating government, which went on this, you know, kick-started this deregulation, privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation revolution, it continues. So both the major political parties, and to, and to a lesser extent the Greens, who are still the third force in politics, now, now 
are supporting privatisation of public assets. The whole purpose of having a public sector, of having public health, public education, public infrastructure, public housing, the essence of that is to ensure that everybody has access to these basic services irrespective of who they are. In the good old days, before the introduction of the social security net, we had the deserving pool who sang the right hymns and said the right prayers and the undeserving poor, and it was always the deserving poor who got the hand out. Now, we don't want to go back to that particular situation, but we are currently... We are currently in that situation today. Now, we've received information over the last week, and that's why this is a reasonably hurried campaign, that the Victorian Labor Cabinet has just endorsed a decision to privatise 70% of Victoria's public housing stock. Could you imagine that? Victorian Labor government made a decision to privatise 70% of Victoria's public housing stock. Under the guise, and this is, this is the beauty of it, this is the beauty of it, this is where people get confused. Under the guise of improving community, social and affording housing in Victoria, they have agreed to transfer the management and ownership of the majority of public housing to community, social and affordable housing groups that are privately owned and run. The transfer of taxpayer-funded public housing for all Australians who require it is primarily a state and federal government responsibility. But now we're seeing the Pontius Pilots of the world, federal and state governments, washing their hands of the responsibility to provide affordable housing for the citizens and residents of this country. We now find ourselves in a situation in 2016 where affordable housing has become a privilege, not a right, a privilege. So in an attempt, in an attempt to head off the Victorian state government at the pass, we have formed a new organisation. That's public interest before corporate interest. That's Defend and Extend Public Housing. Defend and Extend Public Housing. Now, if you want more information, we do have an email which is currently functioning, info at defendandextendpublichousing.com. And over the next five to six days, we'll have a our website up and functioning, defendandextendpublichousing.com. But currently, you can access material today. And it's important you access this material because we have organised a rally from 11.30am to 1.30pm in Melbourne on the steps of State Parliament House on Thursday the 20th of October. And I want you to go to these websites and download the material, send it to your friends and get as many people there as possible. This is an ongoing rolling campaign which will continue until the Minister 
of uh, public housing, Mr Foley, gets up and denies that this is the plans of the state Labor government. And this is not just a defensive... This is not just a defensive um, campaign. This is an offensive campaign. It's about defending and extending public housing. We all know that access to housing in 2016 in Victorian Australia is now a privilege. We all know that. We all know that if there is a very, very weak public housing sector, that the private sector will gouge the eyes out of Australians. We all know there is increasing homelessness in this country. We all know that many people are relying on couch surfing, an increasing number. We all know the escalating costs of rental properties in Victoria and the rest of Australia. And we all know the escalating costs of property, which to a large degree is is related to government policies and initiatives and legislation which rewards investors through negative gearing and many other little things that are organised. We all know that. And we all know that when you don't have a strong public sector, the private sector gouges the eyes out of the population. Look at what's happening to higher education. Look at what's happening to childcare. We're not just talking about people charging inordinate prices. We're talking about gouging, illegal behaviour, which nobody seems to be able to control. The best way and the only way to bring down rents, especially for low-cost housing and to bring down prices to allow more people to enter the private housing market, especially first-time buyers, is to have a strong housing sector. This is a political campaign. It is a 100% political campaign. That is why the rally at 11.30am starting 11.30am to 1.30pm on Thursday the 24th of October on the steps of the State Parliament in Victoria in Spring Street in Melbourne. That's why the rally is there. The State Government is the instrumentality which will make the decision to destroy the concept that the State, at both the State and Federal level, is responsible for assisting people who cannot enter the private market and also is responsible for decreasing the cost of private housing in terms of rents and also in terms of being able to actually get a mortgage, you know, to start that lifelong struggle to pay that mortgage. Having a strong public housing sector that is owned and managed by government helps to decrease crime. I mean, look at the Murdoch media. It's all about crime. I'm not saying crime isn't increasing. I'm quite confident crime is increasing because there are bigger and bigger gaps in the social security net. And obviously we're told constantly that the increasing numbers in family violence 
is due to uh, increased reporting. It may be, there may be increasing reporting, but there is real tension in the community, real economic tension, which it helps to stoke the fires of family violence. And obviously, if you've got children who have difficulty getting some type of stable education because they're forced to move all the time, then you will have lost generations who will resort to crime. So what we are reaping is the benefits of 40 years of globalisation. And what is globalisation? Globalisation is very simple. It's about allowing sovereign nation states to let down their guard, remove controls and allow corporations to run riot. That's what globalisation is. It's about making it easy for globally based corporations to actually exploit your own people. Putting, you know, this is where the tax laws come in or the lack of tax laws. So that's what globalisation is, removing those boundaries. I mean, we talk about in this country ad nauseum about sovereign nation state, about determining who will come into this country. But when it comes to global corporations, there is nothing, nothing which regulates their behaviour. That is what globalisation has been. And globalisation has been a disaster for 75 to 80% of the population and a godsend for the investment class, the new investment class, the 15% of Australians who are doing really well. Then you've got corporatisation. What's corporatisation? Corporatisation is very simple. It's when governments refuse to enact legislation to control the activities of unaccountable corporations whose major responsibility is to create ever-increasing profits for their major shareholders. That is corporatisation. Simple. Fact. Simple. Very simple. That's what it is. Simple. That's why we don't have tax laws in this country that ensure that corporations you know, pay tax. That's why... We have a parliament which basically talks about peripheral issues but never looks at the central issues because they're concerned about their electoral prospects if they get on the wrong side of the Murdochs of the world and of other corporations. Then you have deregulation. You know, we're going to cut this red tape. Well, a lot of regulations are in place to actually protect people from unfair competition from exploitation. You remove that regulation and we get the fiasco we currently see. And then you have privatisation. We know what privatisation means. It basically means it's not just about the loss of publicly owned assets which have been created through the blood, sweat and tears of generations of Australians, but more importantly, it is the loss of competition. It's about destroying the concept of a mixed economy 
when it comes to essential services, there is competition between the private sector and the publicly owned sector. So if you privatise public housing, you give free reign to the private sector to do what they like. Even if they're non-government organisations that have got a wonderful reputation, they are not going to be in a position to provide housing for everybody. And we're not talking about just the transfer of management, but the actual ownership of property, which will allow these organisations to set up their own rules, their own parameters about who will use their housing, what rent will be paid, and the list goes on and on. And don't talk to me about government regulations to ensure that the you know that things are hunky dory. We've seen that in the banking sector. We've seen it, you know, in the uh, privately owned energy generation sector. We've seen it in the private education sector. We've seen it in the corporate sector. These government regulations are bullshit. Anybody who's had who's had to use the organisations which have been set up by government to actually get redress for a wrong will know how difficult, if not impossible, it is. This is the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. My name is Joseph Scone. If you want further information, you can ring me on 0439... 395-489. You can write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville, 3052. If you want more information about Defend and Extend Public Housing Campaign, which has been launched in the last few days, you can go to the PIPSI website. It is a public interest before corporate interests initiative. It is our aim to coordinate all those organisations in this state and in this country who support the idea of public housing to ensure that public housing isn't privatised. It's not just about public housing. It's about having rents reduced at the lower end of the market so that more people can actually acquire affordable rental accommodation who can't be uh, looked after in the public housing sector. It's about putting pressure on the private sector so that prices decrease at the lower end of the market to allow more you know, uh, first-home buyers to get into the market. So this has ramifications for everybody. Everybody. We want to demonstrate to the Victorian government, the opposition and the crossbenchers in the Legislative Council our opposition to governments outsourcing their responsibility to provide affordable housing for all Victorians to a private and not-for-profit non-government sector that at best at very best, will only be able to provide for the needs of sections of the community, not all Victorians. And how do you fund it? As I said before, this is a political decision. The previous Victorian state government made the decision to sign the contracts for the East-West Link four weeks before the last Victorian state election two years ago. And that has cost the Victorian taxpayer $1.3 billion. With $1.3 billion, you could house another 30,000 people, which would knock 
70% off the public housing waiting list, 70% of the people on the public housing list. We could have funded another ten to 15,000 public housing units. So how do you fund it? Simple. We have land tax in this country for corporations, sorry, in this state, for corporations in Victoria, for corporations and for people who own more than one house. Why shouldn't every dollar that's raised in land tax not be used to expand the public housing sector? The Victorian state government is awash with money from stamp duty, which has escalated as prices have escalated. Why shouldn't some of that money, say 25%, be earmarked for the public housing sector? Why should corporations that are building 100 units, 200 units, 300 units, 400 units, 500 houses, who use the state's infrastructure, not have to turn over 5%, 5% of their stock to the government to provide public housing. These are political decisions. I mean, the government made a political decision to remove 50 railway crossings and start the underground rail link, you know, through through Melbourne. That was a political decision. Why are there no major political decisions regarding public housing? Why has the sector been allowed to be run down? Why do we see the government gelded at ABC and more importantly 21st Century Fox and the Murdoch media and the Fairfax media and the privately owned radio stations denigrate the concept of public housing on a daily basis and denigrate the people who need public housing. Why should public housing just be restricted to people with in an emergency situation with major life-threatening issues? Why shouldn't public housing be a sector which allows people on low incomes to access housing, not in terms of huge blocks, but in terms of spot purchasing around the state? And why shouldn't that be managed by the government? Because affordable housing is a right. It's not a privilege, it's a right. So if you want to find out more about this campaign, go to the Pipsy website, pipsy.net, download the material, send it to your friends, encourage them to come to the first rally on Thursday the 20th of October, 11.30am to 1.30pm, Thursday the 20th of October, on the steps of Victorian State Parliament. Put down the other two days, the 17th of November and the 15th of December. This is a rolling campaign which will continue until the Minister Responsible for Public Housing, Mr Foley, comes out and states the Victorian State Government has no intention of privatising public housing. And I don't expect he'll be up there at the microphone on the 20th of October because they are waiting for an opportune moment to announce this in very... Airy fairy, 
lovely little sounds like we're supporting community housing, social housing, affordable housing, the list goes on and on. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia and the Community Radio Network. You can also go to my webs, uh, my Facebook page, Toscana, the number for the public. Toscana, number four, the public. You can download the material. You can like me if you wish. You can hate me if you wish. You know, it's up to you. But remember, this is not just about public housing. This is about creating a climate which ensures that affordable housing is a right, which creates the political and social climate which allows everybody access to a roof over their heads. This is what this campaign is about. It not only assists people who need public housing, it not only extends the concept of public housing, if it's successful, it will put downward pressure on rents, it will see investors desert that part of the marketplace or decrease their involvement in that part and allow first-home buyers to enter the marketplace. This is what this is about. This is a global campaign global in terms of looking at all elements of housing, private home ownership, private rental, public housing. But it's all about creating that secure environment that is necessary in a society, an environment which helps helps to de- decrease. It doesn't eradicate it, but it helps to decrease family violence. It helps to decrease crime. And, it provide, and that stable environment ensures that more and more children don't find themselves on the social waste heap at the bottom of the uh, social elevator which has been uh, dismantled. That ensures that everybody can actually contribute. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. All right, let's move on. Now, I wonder, I wonder, are you getting your knickers in a knot regarding the plebiscite that's been put aside? Well, I've got my knickers in a knot because we could resolve this problem within the next few months. Not through a vote in Parliament, which can be changed at any time by a future government. Not through a plebiscite, which just basically says to the parliamentarians, this is what the Australian people want, but through a referendum. I mean, a referendum is the only mechanism via which you can get marriage equality in this country, which cannot be taken off the table. If a referendum is passed, that question, if it's passed in four states and a majority of voters that question becomes part of the Australian Constitution and the only way, the only way you can actually change it is through another referendum, which is highly unlikely, highly unlikely. This is something people don't seem to understand about change in this country because change in this country is exceptionally difficult and it's exceptionally difficult for one very good reason. Now, if you look at the forthcoming elections, I think it's on the 4th or the 8th of November, I've forgotten, in the United States and the US of A, it's not just a presidential election or congressional election or a Senate election or the election of some of the governors of the states. 
This is an election where 147 issues will be put to a referendum in different states. Issues ranging from uh, increasing gun control to the death penalty to uh, affordable housing, and the list goes on and on. 147. Because there is a climate in the US of A that the people themselves get involved in major decision-making processes. Now, in Australia, the only way the Constitution can be changed is through a referendum. And the only way a referendum can be held is by the political party for majority of both Houses of Parliament passing that referendum question in Parliament and then putting it to the people in a referendum. There is no concept of citizens-initiated referendums where you bypass Parliament and say if 10% of citizens sign a petition to hold a referendum on a particular question, that referendum is held. And if you're concerned about the rich and powerful, which I am concerned about, manipulating the referendum and having the Murdochs of the world you know, go ape about a particular issue, what you do is you pass legislation which ensures that each side has exactly the same funding and that if a newspaper or a radio station or a television station that's privately owned or state-owned wants to look at the issue that 50% of the time has to automatically be given to the other side of the argument. Simple. So you can pass legislation which ensures that both sides of the argument get equal funding and equal airplay. It can be done. I mean, because when people ask you, who who do you put your faith in? Well, in, in life you've got three options, and I don't think they've ever changed since human beings, you know, crawled out of the mire. We have three options. We can put our faith in our rulers, whether they're elected or appointed, put our faith in them, and a lot of people are losing faith in that concept. You can put your faith in your God. He's got your life planned out for you. It's all there in the holy book. You follow the holy book, you've got life, you know, forever and ever. Well, I put no faith in in a God. I put no faith in the state. I put my faith in the people around me. Now, sometimes I disagree with the people around me, and sometimes I think they're, a, you know, full of shit, and sometimes I think I'm full of shit, but at the end of the day, it's really a debate about what's best for the whole of society. So I would prefer to put my faith in a referendum than parliamentary representatives whose major responsibilities are the political parties that's pre-selected them in their particular seats, not the people they represent. So think about it. I mean, democracy is a work is a work in uh, progress. It's not fixed, ossified. I mean, parliamentary democracy or representative democracy is really the a rudimentary form of representative, where you give a representative power to make decisions for you for a fixed period of time. So referendums are one mechanism via which you can incorporate change in a constitutional framework. So it's something to think of. The other thing I'm greatly concerned about, and every Australian should be greatly concerned about that, is that as far as the Western democracies are concerned, 
we are the least democratic country on the planet. That's as far as the Western democracy is concerned. So don't, you know, take me out of context. Because there is nothing in the Australian Constitution, nothing, which protects the individual from the arbitrary exercise of state power. We only have an implied right to freedom of speech during an election period in the Australian Constitution. The government can legally detain people offshore indefinitely in the Australian Constitution. And do you know that your good friends in ASIO and ASIS are asking for increased powers? They're asking Parliament to pass new legislation which will allow them to incarcerate and interrogate incognito friends and family of terrorist suspects for up to seven days without having to go to a judge, you know, and ask permission to do so. So we could have, and I expect we will have within the next six months, we will have legislation passed in Parliament which will allow federal police and ASIO officers to knock on your door, take you away, which they have the power now, and interrogate you for seven days. But at the same time, they can take your family away and your friends away and interrogate them for seven days. And nobody knows about it and you're not allowed to talk about it. If you don't answer questions, you can be jailed for up to five years without a warrant. And that's because, and you should be afraid, and that's because there are no constitutional protections for individual rights in the Australian Constitution. None whatsoever except the freedom to practice your religion and possibly receive fair compensation if your property is, is forcefully acquired by the state. So what it means is Parliament can remove all those so-called rights and liberties that we are said to enjoy because of the, you know, the barons in the Magna Carta putting a limit on the king's power. Hmm? Now, I'm not making this up. This is real. And what it does, it creates a climate which allows... Agencies which are only accountable to the Attorney-General to basically run riot in this country. Remember, the excesses of the Nazi regime, the excesses of the Soviet Empire didn't occur overnight. They occurred in relatively sophisticated societies with all the checks and balances of a democratic society, with a legal system, but slowly but surely each and every one of those rights was removed. 
and people were bludgeoned into accepting the situation. Because most people say, oh, well, it doesn't affect me. It has nothing to do with me. Well, think again. Think again. If you're one of the 21% of Australians who belongs to a trade union, you need to be very worried, exceptionally worried. Because in this, or even if you're not a trade union member and you're a worker of any type, you need to be exceptionally worried. Because although we crap on, you know, ad nauseum about the inability of the trade union movement, you know, to grow in China or authoritarian regimes, and I can understand why we crap on about it and I would support that action. But there's nobody talking about the fact that in this country it is illegal to withdraw your labour outside an enterprise bargaining agreement unless a vote has been taken during that enterprise bargaining agreement. Blah, 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 blah. And what it basically means is that if you withdraw your labour in a wildcat strike and you involve an occupation, you could be charged under the Terrorist Act and receive 25 years jail for being in that occupation. That if you withdraw your labour, that you, that's right, you can be fined $10,000 a day and you can be bankrupted because these laws are structured in such a way as not to fill the jails but to intimidate individuals from taking action and intimidate trade unions from taking action. And this has occurred because there are no individual protection of human rights in the Australian Constitution. So the government of the day giveth and the government taketh away. But things aren't desperate. You know, you listen to the prayer, you think, oh, what's the point? I've got to cut my wrists. You know, I'll have to take an overdose. It's so bad. Hey, it's to and fro. If you sit back and say, well, there's nothing I can do, it's going to happen. It will happen. Because every liberty... And this is, the, this is the lesson of history. Every liberty, every social reform, every step forwards that the human race has taken on this planet has been due to struggle and sacrifice, blood, sweat and tears. No government, no benign ruler is going to give you anything unless you pressure them and create the social conditions which force them to acquiesce to what you want and your demands. And that's what this Defend and Extend Public Housing campaign, which I'm going to go back to, is all about. Not in our time. Not in our time. If you want housing for all, if you want affordable housing to be a right not a privilege. You need to become involved in campaigns which force the government of the day, both at the state and federal level, not only to change their tunes in terms of privatisation public housing, privatising public housing, but in terms of directing resources to create a viable, strong public housing sector which in turn will mean that not only people who need emergency accommodation 
get public housing and accommodation, but people who find themselves in difficult financial circumstances can get public housing accommodation, as we're seeing with the increasing number of elderly people who are finding there's no superannuation and the pension isn't enough. And if they don't own a home, they're stuffed. And this is what we need. We need to see a defence and extension of public housing as a political and social concept, but more importantly, a political concept. Decisions were made in the past to create a state-owned bank, the Commonwealth Bank, to create state-owned infrastructure, you know, for gas, electricity, to create state-owned roads, to create a state-owned public health system and a state-owned public education sector. But what we've seen over the last 40 years is a change in culture where they they want us all to become little investors, you know, Either directly, if we're part of the investment class, we've got disposable income to use this country's taxation-friendly investor laws to augment our wealth, and that's 50% of Australians, or indirectly, through superannuation funds, using money which is earmarked for our retirement to invest in the private market. So that's the issue. It's a central issue. And if you don't want this to occur in your time, it is time you stood up. It doesn't matter if I stand up. It doesn't matter if the other listeners to this program stand up. The only time that this issue will reverberate through the corridors of state parliaments around this country and the federal parliament is when enough of us get on the streets and say enough is enough. And you do have an opportunity if you live in Victoria. Next Thursday, 20th of October, 11.30am to 1.30pm, steps of State Parliament. You don't have to ring anybody, just turn up. Tell your friends. If you want more information, our website will be up in the next uh, few days. But currently, you can go to my uh, Facebook page, Toscano for the Public. Have a look at the material, download it. Send it to all your friends. Encourage them to come. Or, or you can go to the public interest before corporate interest website, pipsy.net, pipsy.net. Thank you for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. You can ring me on 0439 395 489, 0439 395 489. You can write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Go to the Facebook page, become a friend. That's right, I need friends these days. I'm friendless. Toscano for the public. Go to the websites, pipsy.net. Download the application form. Become a member of the Antidote to One Nation, public interest before corporate interest. Do it now. Listen to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station next week. Go to the Anarchist Media Institute website. And finally, thanks to all of you who came on Peter Norman Day. We had a great day. Listen in to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station via the Community Radio Network next week. Evil minds that plot destruction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week, Australia's Sacred Cow Slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday 
Listen to The Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord, yeah.